You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. I'd like to start by some scripture readings uh, which speak of this light and this life and this hope that we have in Messiah. You know, the story of Christmas is rooted in ancient prophecies in the scriptures. It was about 4,000 years ago when the Lord spoke to a man named Abram. And God told Abram that he would be greatly blessed and that one day a descendant of his would be a source of blessing for all people, not just him and his family, but for all people, and not just all people in his day, but all people of all time then. And that man, Abram, we know is Abraham, and that descendant of Abraham, who would be a blessing for all people, we know as whom? Jesus Christ, that's right. So about 2,700 years ago then, God spoke a prophecy of hope about that promised one, Jesus Christ, through the prophet Isaiah. We're told this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And God also then spoke through the prophet Micah and told us that the long-promised Messiah would come forth from Bethlehem. We're told in Micah 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, and in fulfillment of the prophecies of a coming Messiah, an anointed one who would bring blessing for all of the people of the world. About 2,000 years ago, the angel Gabriel appeared to a young woman named Mary who lived in the town of Nazareth. And Luke tells us this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
And Matthew then tells us this about the birth of Jesus. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. As we continue our service, I want to share with you this beautiful prayer that was written by Rebecca Jordan as we prepare our hearts for worship from God's word. Let's pray. Lord, on this Christmas Eve, we pause to prepare our hearts for a most beautiful celebration, your birth and coming to earth as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Clear our minds so that we can focus on you and the joy you bring to us through your gift of salvation. May the same thrill and anticipation that filled Mary, the chosen mother of Jesus, consume us and draw us close to you. May our spirits cry out, hallelujah, with the host of angels who first delivered the good news of great joy to humble, awestruck shepherds that night so long ago, the news that would literally one day be heard around the world. Help us remember and reflect on the awesome prophecies foretelling your birth since the beginning of time. Give us eyes of faith to see on this side of the cross what prophets chose to believe through promises and visions. Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace, the Son of God, Messiah, may all that you are saturate our senses and fill our hearts with both gratitude and worship as we bow this evening before you and offer our prayer to you. Empty us of sin and anything that could inhibit our understanding or block the beautiful celebration of your birth. We surrender all that we may receive your all this Christmas Eve night. Whether it is one of us or an entire family, we want to prepare our hearts for you, even as you are preparing a place for us to join you one day. May every thought, every desire, every word, and every gift-giving action this special night Usher us into that place where you will meet us as we are. May the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you and bring you the glory and honor you so deserve. And just as the Magi brought their offerings in celebration of your birth, we bring you gifts too, the declaration of our obedience and devotion to you, the quieting of our hearts and spirits, and the joyful overflow of worship and adoration. May this preparation night be a holy night as we once again receive and celebrate your great gift to us this Christmas. 
And it is in your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, we are gathered here this evening to celebrate because Christmas is a celebration. It is a celebration of the greatest story ever told. It's a celebration of the greatest humbling ever undertaken. It's a celebration of the greatest love ever demonstrated. It's a celebration of the greatest gift ever given. A celebration of the greatest light that ever shone and a celebration of the greatest hope that was ever offered. You know, the reality is is that we live in a dark world, don't we? Very dark around the world and even in our community here. You know, I saw in the news today that Christmas celebrations had been canceled in Bethlehem because of the ongoing war there in Israel and Gaza. And I saw that headline, Christmas canceled in Bethlehem, and I thought, well... They may have had to cancel certain public events in that town, but Christmas can't really be canceled, can it? So it may have been canceled there with those public celebrations, but it's not canceled here. It's not canceled in our hearts. It's not even canceled in the hearts of people there in Bethlehem then. But even as we celebrate, though, here, we acknowledge that there is darkness and there is despair all around us, including right here in our community. So whether it's darkness we see on a national or international scale, or if it's the darkness we see in our community, in our homes, or even in our hearts, we all know it's true, that we live in a very dark world indeed. But the scriptures assure us and tell us that God is light, and that he is the light that shines in the darkness. The title of this message tonight is called The Eternal light, the eternal light. Jesus is the eternal light. He created physical light, but he is also the source of all moral and spiritual light. And he is the light that shines in our hearts. For those who believe, he is that reflected light. You know, we're told God created all light. I did a little research about the source of the brightest light in the universe. What is the brightest light that we see in all of the universe? Has anyone here ever been dumb enough to stare at the sun, or is that just me? Come on, is there anybody here who had to do that, right? Now, not long enough to do long-term, but enough to just get a sense of like, boy, the sun, that really is bright, isn't it, right? But as bright as the sun is, there are other stars far brighter than our sun. But even as bright as some of those stars are, they are still not the source of the brightest light in all of the created universe. Do we have any astronomy geeks or astronomy nerds here? So, okay, there's usually one or two hands that go up. All right. So, well, I did a little research, and as it turns out here, that the The brightest sources of light in the created universe are called gamma ray bursts. And they are produced when a supermassive star, much bigger than our sun, collapses at the end of its lifespan. The star explodes in a supernova. It collapses into a black hole. And then matter forms in a disk around it. It falls inside and it gets spewed out in a jet of energy that travels at 99.99% the speed of light. 
So in just a few seconds, a gamma ray burst emits as much energy as our sun emits over its entire lifespan. By the way, what's the lifespan of our sun? About 10 billion years. So imagine how much energy gets expanded by the sun in 10 billion years. Well, that much energy then gets emitted by a gamma ray burst in just a few seconds. That must be pretty bright, don't you think, that light? Well, how bright then do you think that burst of energy is? Well, we don't have to guess because I saw the answer right there. Remember I said, imagine how bright the energy of the sun is. Have you ever stared at that? Well, a gamma ray burst is one million trillion times brighter than the sun. One million trillion times brighter than the sun. I have to tell you, I don't think even I'm dumb enough to to, to stare at that. But you know, as bright and powerful as a gamma ray burst may be, the reality is, is that it has no power to shine into the moral and spiritual darkness of our world, does it? It has no power to bring light to dark hopes, to dark hearts, and hope for a lost world. But Jesus, he not only is the creator of all that energy behind gamma ray bursts and far, far more, he not only is the creator of all of that light, he is the greatest light, he is the eternal light that shines in the darkness of our world and brings hope to our hearts. Jesus, the divine Son of God, is the creator of physical light, We're told in Genesis 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. You know, following those well-known verses from Genesis, which is the beginning of God's written word, let's listen to some familiar words found in the beginning of John's gospel, where here we read of the incarnate word of God, that is, the Son of God who took on flesh, human flesh. He was made one of us. He had no beginning, for he was already there in the beginning. And John tells us, in the beginning was the word, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See there that Jesus, the eternal light, He was In the beginning, that is when all things were being made, he was there, that he was with God, and that he was God. I know that can be very confusing to us, can it? How can you be with God, but also be God? Well, of course, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Spirit is God. But it's not three gods, it's only one God, one divine being. I don't understand exactly how that works, 
But that's what the scriptures tell us, right? That's how you can be with God and be God. We're told he created all things. He was not created himself, but he created all things. Everything that has been made, he made it. He was not made. That he was life. So he not only created all physical things, he is also the source of life. Not just physical life, but spiritual life, blessing, and goodness. And he was the light of men. He is moral truth and goodness and righteousness, that which is good and right, holy. He is the source of all of that. But John goes on to tell us there was a man sent from God whose name was John, that is John the Baptist. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But this is important. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So there we see that Jesus, the eternal light, he was witnessed to by John, John the Baptist, that he was not known by the world, that he was rejected by his own people, but yet those who did receive him, that is, who believed in him, believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And that was true when John wrote that 2,000 years ago, and it remains true today. That for all who receive him, believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. And John tells us this. this. Here's our Christmas story. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So here we see that Jesus, the eternal light, he became flesh and dwelt among us. That is, he added humanity to himself, God the Son, left that throne, humbled himself, left his throne of glory, united himself with humanity, becoming one of us, becoming human in every way that you and I are human, but without sin, that he dwelled among us. He took up residence here with us. We're told that he is glorious, that he's full of grace and truth. What is grace? Grace is, well, it's goodness and favor for people who don't deserve it. And who are those undeserving people? Us, me, you, all of us, right? And that he is full of grace and truth. He is the truth. And he has given us grace upon grace. You know, that's one of my favorite verses in Scripture, right there, that verse. It says that from his fullness we have all received grace 
upon grace. And the imagery there, as you might recall, is like those ocean waves. Do you have anyone here love to just stand at the beach and, and just watch the, the waves come in and just listen to that soothing sound? And the waves don't stop, do they? They just keep coming. They just keep coming. And that's the imagery here of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, how it just keeps coming and just keeps coming, grace upon grace, never stopping then. And that he is the only begotten God who is at the Father's side. He has made God the Father known to us. The only way we could truly know about God and what he is like was if he revealed himself to us. And he has revealed himself supremely to us in the person of his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the eternal light who has revealed God to us and is the source of grace upon grace. But we're also told that Jesus cleanses us from the darkness in our own hearts. We're told in 1 John chapter 1, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, that is that we believe in him, we're in close relationship with him, but yet while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what does it mean to walk in the light as he is in the light? Well, that means to confess our sins, to admit our sins, our moral failings and shortcomings, to admit those to God, to turn from those and to receive his forgiveness and his cleansing. And then to seek his power by the power of his spirit, to seek his power daily then, to grow us more and more into the likeness of God in Christ. But Jesus then calls for that light that shines within us in in Christ to reflect that light for all the world to see. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So he is the light of the world, and we are to reflect that light of the world. We are to reflect his love and his truth. Let people see the light and love of Christ in you through your good works, which honor our Heavenly Father. You know, there may be some of us here as we're sitting here tonight who have perhaps already opened gifts with family. You're gathered with your families in your home and you perhaps opened some gifts. Anybody opened any gifts yet? Okay, we, there's always a few, okay? So some of you may later tonight or some may wait until tomorrow morning to do that. But may I suggest that, you know, the, the greatest gift that we can receive is the gift of eternal life in Christ through faith in him through turning away from sin and selfishness, receiving forgiveness for, from him, and then receiving that gift of eternal life simply through faith, through believing in him and his perfect life, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the grave. That is the greatest gift that's ever been given, and that's the greatest gift you can receive is eternal life and hope through Jesus Christ. But might I suggest then the greatest gift then that we can give others then is to faithfully proclaim and reflect that light and that hope 
for others. I like to give gifts. Who doesn't like to give gifts, right? But you know, the best gift we give, the best gift we give is to tell people about the hope of Jesus Christ and to reflect that not only in the words that we say, but also in the lives that we live, in the things that we do. So let people see the light and the love of Christ in you then. That is a great gift to give to others. So what? What are we to do with all of this tonight, you ask? Well, I would remind us that Jesus is the eternal light. He is the eternal life that shines in the darkness, and he gives eternal life and blessing to all who believe in him. You know, as powerful as it may be, a gamma ray burst cannot penetrate the moral and the spiritual darkness of the world, and it certainly has no power over death. But Christ, the eternal light, shines in that moral and spiritual darkness of the world, and he has conquered death. He triumphed over death, and he gives eternal life then to all who believe in him. So do you believe in Jesus, the eternal light? That is the most wondrous gift of all to receive. If you have not done so, I would urge you to trust in him, to trust in him now and receive that greatest gift ever given. Receive him by faith. Accept his forgiveness by faith. Rejoice in the gift of eternal life. And if you do believe in him, if you do know him, if you do have that light in you, then walk in the light as he is in the light. And let his light shine through you and penetrate the darkness in your world this Christmas and every day. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the light of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you left that glorious throne behind, O Jesus, that you humbled yourself, that you took on human flesh, that you became our representative who lived a life of perfect obedience to your law, and that you have given us then, by faith then now, that gift of perfect obedience, of perfect righteousness, that you took upon yourself the punishment for all of our sin, our wrongdoing, that you conquered death. You died for us in our place. You were buried, but then you rose, conquered death on our behalf, that we might conquer and rise with you. Thank you for that hope, Lord Jesus. May that light and life shine brightly in our hearts. May we receive that gift this Christmas. May we reflect that wondrous gift to others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are invited then to partake with us of these elements, the communion elements, in remembrance and celebration of the sacrifice of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we receive these elements here tonight, give thanks for the birth of our Savior, because he is indeed the most wonderful gift ever given. Give thanks, though, not only for his birth, but for the sacrifice of our Savior. Praise him for, by saving you, by giving you a life of perfect faith and obedience to the law of God, taking the punishment for your sins upon himself and triumphing over sin and death in his resurrection. Thank him for saving you and doing that for you. And by the way, I always like to tell folks this. Before you leave here tonight, I'd like you to come up here on the platform and take a good
good look at the Christmas tree ornaments here. You know, there's all this conversation people often have about the true meaning of Christmas, right? Oftentimes we see movies or stories or songs about the true meaning of Christmas. And they'll say, you know, it's not about presents or gifts or parties or things like that. And I enjoy all those things too, as I'm sure all of you do. But they'll say, but that's not really what Christmas is about. And they'll say, what's it about? They'll say, well, it's really, it's about what? About loving other people or something. And I'll say, well, you're getting close, but you're still not quite there. And so if you'd like to know the true meaning of Christmas, then I invite you at the end of the service to come forward and take a close look at these ornaments here on the tree because it will reveal to you the true meaning of Christmas and why we celebrate here this evening. Scripture tells us this in Philippians chapter 2 about how we are to live in light of what Christ did for us. Paul tells us, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Lord Jesus, we give thanks and praise to you. Thank you for humbling yourself, coming into this world, being born into this world as a vulnerable baby. There was no greater possible humbling than what you undertook for us. We thank you that you grew up, that baby grew up, you became a man who perfectly fulfilled all the righteous requirements of your perfect law that you obeyed them all for us, that you endured every temptation we face, but you were without sin, and that you offer us then now, as a gift, that perfect righteousness, that perfect obedience. We thank you that you went to the cross. You took on yourself the punishment, the judgment for our sins in order that we would not have to, taking that full punishment upon yourself, fully satisfying the righteous requirements of the law and the wrath and the condemnation for sin. You absorb it all and you said, it is finished. So Lord, we celebrate you then that even as you died, you then rose again and that you are coming again and you will judge all people of all time and you will make all things new. And thank you for that hope, that forgiveness, that perfect righteousness, that gift of eternal life, and the promise that we will rule and reign with you forever and ever on a new earth. Thank you for that hope, and thank you for coming into this world 
May we remember that and celebrate that as you so richly do are due this Christmas and every day. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org. 